Hi, and welcome to the Part 3 with me podcast. The show that helps Part 3 architecture students jumpstart into their careers as qualified architects. I am your host, Maria Scudari. And this week, we will be talking about our duties and must-knows as architects when it comes to construction design and management regulations, also known as CDM. Uh, Given the extensive information available on this subject, I will be splitting this into two episodes. Uh, This episode will cover what CDM is, what are the duties for each party involved, and the key documents and information needed to fulfill those duties. Now, let's start with some background. So, what is CDM and why do we need it? So, under the building regulations and Uh, government requirements, if you're doing or you have construction and building work carried out, you will have to have health and safety responsibilities and things you will need to consider before you start work. This includes clients, designers, contractors and any other people involved with the construction work to carry out duties under the construction design and management regulation, which is CDM. Uh, and under CDM, certain construction work must be notified to the Health and Safety Executive, which is the HSE. Now, under the current CDM regulations, these apply to all construction projects in Great Britain, but through the Health and Safety at Work Act 1974, it also applies to construction work that is carried out in the territorial sea which is the belt of waters extending from the coast of Great Britain up to 12 nautical miles, and any other construction in connection with construction of any renewable energy structures in the renewable energy zone. So these regulations were updated back in 2015, and as defined on the Health and Safety Executive website, the HSE, CDM aims to improve health and safety in the construction industry by helping the designer, the client, the contractor and any other relevant people involved to sensibly plan the required work so any risks acknowledged before the start of the work on site are well managed from start to finish. The right people are used for the right job at the right time. Everyone cooperates, coordinates Uh, the works with all involved to help keep risks managed at all time and have the right information about the risks and how they are being managed, Uh, effectively communicate this information to the people that need to know and who are carrying out the relevant job and consult and engage with the workers about the risks and how these are being managed. Now, as mentioned previously, a number of people involved within a construction project or works are expected to uh, adhere to the CDM regulations and have a number of duties that they need to uphold as part of the CDM requirements. Now let's start with um, what are the client's duties? Now usually a client can be either commercial or domestic and a client himself is defined as anyone for whom a construction project is being carried out for. So the difference between a commercial client and a domestic client is that a domestic client has the works being carried out for him 
to be carried on their own home or home of a family member and that it's not in connection with any business. So the regulations apply in full to commercial clients, whereas for domestic clients, the du their duties are passed on to other duty holders, such as the principal designer and the principal contractor, which I will talk more about later on, and their duties fall to the designer and the contractor that are in control of the pre-construction and construction phases, and they are not required to carry out the duties placed on commercial clients. So a commercial client is defined as an organization or organizations or individual or individuals for whom a construction project is carried out in connection with a business. Whether this business operates for profit or not, it still classifies them as a commercial client. Now, this also includes um, any overseas clients that wish to carry out construction projects in uh, Great Britain. Uh, and if there is more than one commercial client involved, they must agree between them who will be responsible for carrying out the CDM requirements. So the people that are not identified as the client for the CDM requirements still have duties for providing any information in their possession that may be relevant to help pull together any pre-construction information and cooperate with anyone involved in the project. So whether they are the exclusive client or not, they still have some duties um, to adhere to under CDM. So the client is the key individual for the efficient and timely management of the CDM requirements and they have a say over the way a project is procured and managed. So they have the contractual control to appoint the designers, the contractors, and to determine the money, the time, and any other resources that may be available. So what does the client actually have to do under CDM? Now CDM makes the client accountable for the impact of their decisions and approach they have on health and safety and welfare on the project. So the key, their key duties are classed as making suitable arrangements for managing the project so that um, health and safety and welfare is secured and to have suitable arrangements uh, that focus on the particular project requirements, its size and any risk involved with that specific work. Uh, another one of their duties is that other duty holders are, are appointed as appropriate by them and they allow for sufficient time and resources. Uh, they have to also make sure that the principal designer and the principal contractor carry out their duties. And the client also has to provide uh, welfare facilities for the workers for the duration of the construction works. Now, when it comes to appointing uh, a principal designer and a principal contractor, um, the principal designer should be appointed as early as possible in the design process so they can assist the client with gathering the pre-construction information and obviously identifying any early risks involved with the project. And the principal contractor should be appointed early enough in the pre-construction phase to assist the client in meeting their duty to ensure a construction phase plan is ready before construction starts. So if for any reason the client fails to appoint a principal designer or a principal contractor, then it falls on to them to carry out their duties. So let's define who the principal designer is and what their duties are under CDM. 
So a principal designer is a designer appointed by the client in projects involving more than one contractor. They can be an organization or an individual uh, and they need to have sufficient knowledge, experience and the ability to carry out their role. So they have the important role in influencing how the risks to health and safety should be managed and incorporated into the wider management of the project. So a principal designer must be able to demonstrate that they have the health and safety skills, knowledge and experience to carry out the the work they are being appointed for. So the level of their knowledge should be proportionate to the complexity of the project and the range and nature of the risks involved. So they must have technical knowledge of the construction industry relevant to the project and the ability to understand, manage and coordinate the pre-construction phase and any design work carried out after construction begins. Now their main duties are to plan, manage, monitor and coordinate health and safety in the pre-construction phase of a project and they need to include uh, identifying, eliminating and controlling foreseeable risks and ensuring that other designers carry out their duties. Uh, The principal designer must also prepare and provide any relevant information to other duty holders and liaise with the principal contractor to help them in planning, um, management, monitoring and coordination of the construction phase. On domestic projects, where the client doesn't appoint a principal designer, the role must be carried out by the designer in control of the construction phase. So as mentioned before, this is usually the case with domestic clients where their duties are usually taken by other duty holders. So the principal designer can enter into a written agreement with a domestic client from the beginning to take on the client's duties uh, on top of their own. So moving on to the principal contractor and their duties, Uh, A principal contractor is um, a contractor appointed by the client to coordinate the construction phase of a project where it involves more than one contractor. So the principal designer must be able to demonstrate that they have the relevant skills, knowledge, experience and where the organisation has the, the capability to carry out the work that they are being appointed for so that they've done this type of work before, before they start uh, construction work. So their level of knowledge should be uh, proportionate to the scale and the complexity of the project and the nature of the risks to health and safety that they have previous experience with these from before. Uh, There may be some instances where two or more projects are taking place at the same site at the same time, Uh, but they run independently from one another. Uh, In this circumstances, um, it's essential that there's definitely clarity over who is in control uh, during the construction phase in any part of the site at any given time. Uh, If it's impossible to have one principal contractor to have general overview, then those involved must cooperate with each other and coordinate their work and take into account any shared interfaces between each project. So principal contractors have a key role in managing the risks of the construction work and providing strong leadership to ensure standards are understood and followed at all times. Uh, Some of their main duties um, are to plan, manage, monitor and coordinate the health and safety in the construction phase of a project, 
which includes liaising with the client and the principal designer and preparing the construction phase plan and organizing cooperation between contractors and coordinating their work. Uh, they also have to make sure suitable site inductions are provided and reasonable steps are taken to prevent unauthorized access onto the site. And the works are consulted and engaged in securing their health and safety. Welfare facilities are provided for the workers. So on a domestic project, the principal contractor will normally take on the client's duties on top of their own, unless the client has an agreement with the principal designer to do so, as I've previously mentioned. Um, if the domestic client doesn't appoint a principal contractor, then the role um, has to be carried out by the contractor in control of the construction phase. Some other duty holders under CDM regulations are designers, contractors and workers. Um, starting with designers, uh, these can be organisations or individuals who, as part of a business, prepare or modify designs for a building product or systems relating to construction work. Uh, designers can include architects, architectural technologists, consulting engineers, quantity surveyors, interior designers, temporary work engineers, chartered surveyors, technicians, or anyone who specifies or alters a design. Uh, so a designer has a very strong influence during the concept and feasibility stage of a project. So their early design decisions are key in affecting the health and safety on those who will construct, maintain, repair, clean, uh, refurbish, demolish and potentially inhabit the building. So their decisions are very key in selecting uh, the right materials, for example, or the right window uh, cleaning strategy that can be cleaned from the inside that will significantly reduce the risks involved in construction and uh, during maintenance of the building. Uh, so designers' duties uh, usually apply as soon as the design has started, whether this is um, just a concept design, a competition, a bid, um, CDM still applies even at those early stages. Uh, so their duties usually involved making the client aware of their duties under CDM, unless the project involves more than one contractor, then the duty lies with the principal designer. If the design is relating to a place of work, then this should also comply with the Workplace Health, Safety and Welfare Regulation of 1992. Uh, they should also, uh, when preparing or modifying their designs, make sure that they eliminate, um, reduce and control any foreseeable risks that may uh, come up during construction and during the maintenance and use of the building. Uh, designers have to also provide information to all other members of the project team to help fulfill their duties. Uh, so under these definitions, we as architects can either be classified as either the principal designer or as a designer. Either way, we have uh, duties to uphold under both roles. Uh, moving on to the contractors. Uh, these can be a company or individuals that carry out the actual construction work and contractors can include subcontractors, any individual, uh, sole trader, self-employer, worker or business that carries out uh, managers or controls construction work as part of their business. 
uh, where contractors are involved in the design work, including temporary works, they also have to comply with the designer duties. And under their duties as contractors, they have to make sure the client is aware of their duties under CDM, similar to designers. And they have to plan, manage and monitor the construction work under their control. So it's carried out without risks to health and safety. And they have to ensure that appropriate supervision is provided for the workers under their control. And for projects involving more than one contractor, their activities have to be coordinated with the others in the project teams and have to comply with the directions uh, given to them by the principal designer or the principal contractor. Um, if the project is under a single contractor, then the contractor has to prepare uh, the construction phase plan. Uh, and now finally moving on to the workers, these are individuals that work for or under the control of the contractors on a construction site. Uh, their duties are to um, be consulted about matters which affect their health, safety and welfare, take care of their own health and safety and others who might be affected by their action. And they must report anything they see which is likely to endanger either their own or others' health and safety. And they have to cooperate with their employer, fellow workers, contractors and other duty holders. Now let's look more closely into a few key pieces of information I previously just brushed upon, which includes the pre-construction information, the construction phase plan and the health and safety file. So what is pre-construction information? So this is information that the client already has in their possession. This can be uh, an existing health and safety file, an asbestos survey, uh, any structural drawings, um, and so on, anything that relates to the site and health and safety and um, any other risks that may be involved. The information can also include any other information that the client can reasonably obtain, which is relevant to the project, and have an appropriate level of detail that outlines the nature of the risks. So the client is the main duty holder of the pre-construction information and has to provide this as soon as possible to each designer and contractor. For projects with more than one contractor, then the principal designer helps the client to bring the pre-construction information together and then they provide these to the designers and contractors involved. Now the level of information in pre-construction information should be sufficient enough to ensure that any significant risks are outlined and what risks can be anticipated. So the key information to be included within the pre-construction information is the project, which includes the client's brief and key dates of construction, uh, planning and management of the project, such as um, what resources and time is allocated to each stage and any arrangements to ensure cooperation between the duty holders. Uh, the third thing is to outline health and safety hazards of the site and finally to have any other relevant information in any existing health and safety file that previously existed. Uh, so that outlines roughly what you would need for uh, pre-construction information. So if a question comes up around this nature, you will know what it consists of and what it needs to um, outline. Uh, now moving on to the construction phase plan, 
the client has to make sure that the construction phase plan is prepared before the construction phase begins. Now, this plan outlines the health and safety arrangements, site rules, and any specific measures that concern any work involving the particular risks identified. So the principal designer has to assist the principal contractor in preparing the construction phase plan by providing him with all the relevant information, including the pre-construction information, which was obtained from the client and any information obtained from the designers. So throughout the project, the principal contractor has to ensure that the construction phase plan is consistently reviewed, updated and revised to ensure construction work is carried out without risks to health or safety. For single contractor projects, the contractor has to ensure the plan is prepared. For projects involving more than one contractor, it is the principal designer's duty. Um, And now finally on to the health and safety file. The health and safety file is only required for projects with more than one contractor and it's a very important document that needs to form part of the contract documents between the client and the contractor. So the client has to ensure that the principal designer prepares a health and safety file and its purpose is to ensure that at the end of the project, the client has the required information for anyone in the future that may carry out any other subsequent construction works on the building. Um, They will have all the information they need to be able to plan and carry out the work safely and without any risks to their health. Uh, To ensure that an appropriate health and safety file is produced at the end of the project, the client has to provide the principal designer with an existing um, file produced as part of an earlier project so the information contained can be used to plan the pre-construction phase of the current project. Uh, The client also has to ensure the principal designer prepares a new file uh, and they also review updated regularly and passes the completed file back at the end of the project. Uh, The principal uh, contractor also has to make sure that they have the um, health and safety file um, if the principal designer's appointment finishes before the end of the project. The client has to also ensure that the file is kept available for anyone who needs to comply with the relevant legal requirements and that the file is passed on to whoever taking over the building and takes on the client duties if the client decides to dispose of their interest in it. Uh, Additionally, the principal contractor has to provide the principal designer with any information in his or her possession relevant to the health and safety file for inclusion. So what does the health and safety file consist of? It usually has a brief description of the works to be carried out, uh, any hazards uh, not eliminated through the design and construction process and how these have been addressed, for example, through surveys uh, concerning asbestos, for example, or any contaminated land. It also includes any other key principles, for example, such as bracing, um, tension members and so on, and how safety working loads for floors and roofs um, work, Uh, any hazardous materials that was used, um, information regarding removal or dismantling of any installed plant and equipment, 
Um, it also contains health and safety information about equipment provided for cleaning or painting the structure. Uh, the nature, location and markings of any significant services, such as um, underground cables, gas supply, firefighting services and so on. And finally, any information and as-built drawings of the building, its plan and equipment, for example, means of safe access and so on. So to briefly summarise what I just went through, uh, let's firstly outline that CDM is a legal requirement for any construction or building work being carried out. Uh, secondly, there are a number of duty holders that need to follow the requirements by CDM, which include the client being the key individual, the principal designer, the principal contractor, the designers, the contractors and the workers. Uh, thirdly, uh, remember that clients can be either commercial or domestic and domestic clients usually have their duties carried out by other duty holders. Um, the pre-construction information is the client's duty, but they can have assistance from the principal designer if the project has more than one contractor. The construction phase plan has to be carried out by the principal contractor before any work begins, and the client has to make sure that this has been carried out. And on domestic projects, the contractor carries out the construction phase plan. And finally, the health and safety file is compiled by the principal designer with input from the client and the principal contractor and has to be handed over to whoever will be using the building at the end of construction for their records in terms of the logistics of the building. Uh, if you want to hear more about uh, CDM, please tune in for next week's episode, which will also include exam questions that you may be asked during your coursework, um, your actual exams or during your interview that will help you prepare a bit better if you're faced with those questions. And we will break down how you can set these out and what you can answer for each question and how to meet each requirement. If you would like to get in contact with me, please feel free to email me on the address provided in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening. This is an educational show aimed at supporting the future generation of architects. The information, opinions and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and any reliance on the information provided in this podcast is done at your own risk. Please join me next week for some more part three with me time.